Well, did we explain last night what was going on? I don't feel like we really... Yeah, I did. You did? I okay. did one by myself. Okay, good. Um, yeah. So, Jackie was pretty much just like three to four centimeters at home, just pushing against a cervix that wasn't ready to open. Yeah, and... Probably could have gone on like that for many more days. Yeah, except I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't eaten, I hadn't slept in like three days. I just... I just couldn't. I yeah. Like, ran out of energy yeah so now we're just waiting for her cervix to get fully dilated and so we're at eight centimeters so it's getting there the baby's not quite down yet but we've got a couple more hours to see what happens there and the next thing is that now because Jackie's water has been broken so long she has a fever the baby's heart rate is up a little bit and so is yours yeah so we're doing antibiotics, which isn't what I wanted to avoid, but I'm not, I'm not upset about it because of all this sort of risk that's ha that's present. Mm -hmm. So we just talked to the OB and his resident, and they kind of explained the why and the sort of ins and outs of it, and I'm cool with it now. I mean, I don't, my fever's gone up do since they discovered yeah. it so he just explained that fevers or infection like once it starts it like really in, it just goes mm -hmm. and it's shitty because that's why I didn't initially want any vaginal exams because that's what introduces mm -hmm. infection especially when you've had your waters broken for so long but I don't think I could have made any informed decisions about what to do had we not done mm -hmm. The vaginal exams. I mean, the first one I had was last night, right? No, the first one I had was yesterday afternoon. Yeah. And that's what helped me decide to take the castor oil, which I am still <laughs> suffering the effects of. So mm -hmm. that is just, I feel vindicated every time it happens. I'm like, see? I don't know <laughs> I mean, it did, it did do some things. It did help move things along, but it just from my perspective, it felt like I was having to work really hard to trigger contractions and to keep them going. I couldn't sit down. I was having to like get into the most uncomfortable positions to sort of irritate and agitate my uterus into contracting. Mm -hmm. And that just really led to a complete exhaustion. Yeah. Um, so, and then I got really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then... A breakdown? Yeah, I did. I definitely had a breakdown because it felt like I was doing everything wrong or my body was like not doing what it should and I didn't understand because I was, I mean, was it yesterday? Was it yesterday? I don't or? know. It feels like one giant day. I'm so like, I what? I, think, I can't believe we've been doing this since yesterday. Monday. 
yesterday. Monday, Tuesday, I mean, Wednesday, Thursday. Today's Friday. Fuck. See? <laughs> I mean, Monday, we barely caught the end of it, right? It happened yeah. it started at 11.30 at night, so Monday night. But, yeah, it was yesterday that Kendall set up the birth pool, and we got the living room ready, and it seemed like I was pushing, and it was, like, getting into active labor, and so I really was, like, in the mindset of, like, this, this is, is gonna happen today, yeah. and we're ready. So that was, that was really disappointing to hear, and I... I didn't know how how dilated I what dilated I wasn't because I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want that to discourage me further. But I just told our midwife that I wanted to know based on what she found whether she would recommend the castor oil or not, and she said she did. Yeah. And one that just really centimeter. I was one centimeter at that point. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's it's so surprising to me because from Monday night I was having so much bloody show mm-hmm. and so much fluid coming out and, and everyone kept saying this is awesome this is like your body doing the work of thinning your cervix before you even have to have contractions mm-hmm. this is work you don't have to do during active labor so I really was like super floored by that yeah well that's what's happening right now doing we call it passive descent which means that let's not start pushing yet and we'll just give it like maybe another hour maybe two hours maybe an hour um, because you're still having contractions and your body is still pushing your baby down lower so if we give you a little bit more time of like let's let your body do a lot of that really hard work for you before you have to join in and do the work sometimes that just starts you off in a better place we can get the baby your body can get the baby lower without you working yet so Let's go for another hour. Okay. Then we'll see where we're at, and then probably just start pushing. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm having like not an end reflex. So we, yeah. Can we do something like that? Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Also, for what upper sport, it's really common for me to feel that visceralness when you are becoming fully dilated. Yeah. You get some feedback stuff happening. Ooh, so that's just your natural body's yeah. natural response. Just clear out the stomach so that when you're pushing, you're being Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know what's in there. Um, Water, alcohol, <laughs> and scrap juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. If there's any of that fucking castor oil smoothie left, I would be so shocked because, oh man, that thing went through me. Oh. I think, like I said, oh. the baby's new name is Castor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that works. I was so mad about that castor oil. I was like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Like, and you're like, it'll be okay. And I was like, mm. and Sarah was trying to tell me, like, it's great. And I was like, don't talk to me about this. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I heard, like, your feedback on our smoothies was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. maybe. But although okay. now, I'm like, I don't want anything that tastes anything like that. No. Peanut butter, no. I'm off of. Mangoes, we may be friends off for a little while, too. Oh. It's going to be fair. okay. You're going to be okay. Okay, so that's my one regret. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking back at the experience. Oh. Are you gonna need that? Okay, we're getting. <laughs> yeah. 
that monitors the baby's heart rate. It, it attaches to the baby's head. So the baby's heart rate went like pretty low after that last push. And it's kind of coming back up, like it's kind of sort of in a normal range, but it's not back up like where it was before you pushed, which is the best, right? Like the baby should just sort of catch their breath and their heart rate should go all the way back up. It's a little wire that gets attached to their head. It's not gonna hurt them. <laughs> it's a little bit more accurate for us. Sometimes with this one, we think, is that your heart rate that we're getting or is that the baby's? And this one tells us for sure. whatever reason. Is it because there was an infection? 
Is it because they're pinching on their cord or they're in some sort of funky position that just isn't going to work for them? Is it because you're past your duty and your placenta is getting old and it just doesn't have enough reserve to give good oxygen to your baby? Like those are all possibilities. I'm not saying any one of those things is happening. But it, it sort of makes us wonder like when the baby's heart rate goes down that low and takes quite a couple of minutes to come back up. It doesn't just shoot back up and say like, oh, I'm good, that was no problem taking a little bit longer for those decelerations to come back up than they were earlier today. That makes us a little bit more curious about, does the baby have enough reserve to keep going? And I mean, typically sort of a, a part of our decision-making process is really like, well, let's just keep going until the baby really tells us what's up, right? Because they'll, they'll kind of keep doing this thing with their heart rate and at a certain point, either that will have been going on for too long and we'll say, that's too long. Yeah, we have to say that that's enough for that baby. Or it, they, they get sort of deeper or lower towards the earth, at which point we have to say that's also too much of that. So I don't, I don't think that anything necessarily is going to change like in terms of our plan in this moment. He might talk with you a little bit about like should, should we proceed with pushing or not. I think that's the conversation that we should have. And I don't, I don't think that it would be entirely wrong to just proceed, but I think it's prudent to have that conversation now. We have to. They're showing us with their heart rate that that wasn't great. And it may just be that you need to get in a different position, you can try on their side or something like that. But that's my like that's my purpose in sort of having somebody else from the team come and look at what's going on and have that conversation with us. Is, is it is it wise to just continue and will something else become clear or should we make a different decision? Does that make sense? Sorry, there's 
lots of people here now too, um, which is fine. Yeah, fine. Yes. Um, I do want to see how you can move baby. I know baby's having a few tips for them. But the reason why I'm asking you to do this is because I want to see if, if we need to help you, if we can help you from below, about like a vaginal delivery. Um, and this exam, they should want to help us kind of decide that. Okay. With your contraction. Possible if I have you tried um, pushing with your legs up? Like a, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Let's push once and that way we'll make as much room as we can to see how you can push baby. Remind me, what are we expecting? Uh, 
Do I need to come around to chat with you over on the other side? So, I mean, babies are happy without you pushing, but with babies pushing, there are a few uh, concerning dips. I can't for sure tell exactly what's the cause of it. Sometimes it's, you know, babies a little bit tired from all the labor, maybe a brewing infection, maybe a cord. There are some signs that baby's a bit distressed from the the mech, and that's just the the material that comes out of baby's. It's kind of like baby's poop, um, and that's a, kind of a, a soft marker we use for stress as well. Um, hold on a second. I think it's actually one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So at this early stage, I mean, there's still some pushing left, and my question right now is. Can baby tolerate it, or are we going to have more of these bradycardias or these deep kind of decelerations where we kind of be forced to, to have a, a more urgent or emergent delivery? Right now, um, 
really there's two options for delivery if we had to say we we're going to deliver baby right now. One is a C-section, and the other one is a assisted vaginal delivery by forceps. Forceps, if we were to try forceps, it would have to be in the operator. The reason why I'm saying this is because baby is um, still kind of in a higher position. So it would be what we call kind of a forceps. These are all things that I'm talking about and they're all options at the moment right now. Um, you can certainly push for a little bit, but I think this pattern of deceleration is gonna happen. I don't, I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to say that you're gonna be able to push this baby out by yourself without any assistance. Um, I'm happy for you to try a few more pushes and see how things go, but I think this, if this pattern keeps repeating itself, eventually what will happen is baby's heart rate's not gonna come back up up to the baseline when you see these dips. Um, do you want me to talk to you a little bit more of either of those two options? How likely is it that the forceps will work? So at this point, um, the reason why we're thinking of going to the operating room is because I'm not confident that we would be able to bring maybe down the pelvis at this point. Just because it's high up and this is not a pelvis that we've had a child before, right? So we can certainly try, and if it doesn't move at all and doesn't budge, then we would, you know, the, it would, we would revert back to the cesarean section. Um, Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Is there, there's no like general anesthetic or anything like that, right? No, you'll be awake. You'll be, uh, yeah. You have an epidural, so they'll top it up. Yeah. So that you'll be, you'll be ready for both if you need to be or either. And if that doesn't work, is it a situation where we'd have to sort of move right to C-section right away? Yeah. Okay, so then I guess, yeah, we need to talk about that. Okay. So C-section is a bit harder on mom. Mm-hmm. Recovery in about four to six weeks before you're back to baseline. Mm-hmm. You're in a hospital probably around 48 hours if everything works you know, well and your pain's well. Uh, we make a bikini line incision um, about two centimeters above your pubic bone. Um, we don't cut your muscles or anything like that. We just push your muscles aside and make an incision in the uterus. Once we deliver baby, baby actually goes with the baby doctor first, let's get checked out. And if everything's fine, then baby will come back to. And then um, all the layers that we, we go through surgery we carefully uh, take care of them. The risks to a C-section, like any other major surgery, infection, bleeding, we give you antibiotics beforehand. Um, you're awake, so if we need to give you blood or blood products, we'll talk to you and ask you, you know, to get those consents and stuff like that. And then uh, the more rare things are to think about what's around in your belly, your bowel, your bladder, it's probably about a Yeah, and we would need to call it general surgery or urology. Those are also very rare, but those are risks. The last risk is more for the recovery. Um, because you're not moving as much as before, there's a small risk that you can develop a blood clot in your legs um, and give you blood thinners for that until you get up to the general. And um, 
Epidural, it's topped up a bit, so they give you some more medication to make sure. We don't start until you're comfortable. I won't feel it. You, you won't feel pain, you may feel some pressure. Okay. And there's, <coughs> skin to skin is an option, but the baby's doesn't come straight to you no matter what? Um, I, I'm pretty certain that it will go to pediatrics first. Options, I've been seeing oftentimes that like if your baby comes out and screams right away, the pediatrician might just say like, just have a snuggle with your baby. Yeah. Maybe the baby comes for like five or 10 minutes, mm -hmm. then goes back to the pediatrician, gets checked out, then comes back to you. But if they come out not screaming, obviously there's a different order. Yeah. Can we do early It depends on how baby looks. So if baby is screaming, for sure. Hmm? Yeah. yeah, you made me work so hard for that little wrinkly thing. Didn't you? He's on Jackie's chest and 
He's already breastfed. And yeah, he's, he's just super, got so like, much alert. hair. And he's so cute he's and so chubby so and so big. big. He was nine pounds, five ounces. 22 inches 22 long. inches long. His shoulder got stuck. He had shoulder dystocia. We got, we did a forceps birth that they gave me a 50-50 chance of being able to push him out. And if I couldn't, then it was going to be a C-section and I was just like, no. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mamas podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day. Can you say baby? Baby. Can you say mama? Mama. Can you say baby mama? Baby.